Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Well, have you enjoyed worship? Amen. I appreciate um, all that God's done with our churches. We are one church in two locations. Amen. And, um, you know, we could have chosen uh, to do satellite here. You know, like many, we could have chosen uh, that when um, Pastor Brian and Cheyenne at the time were, you know, planted the church and, and then we ended up taking it because they believed they needed to come down where we were at. We could have said, well, let's put a screen up. And that would just live feed me in. And then you would have came here and we'd have signed a campus pastor. And you saw my face on TV all the time. Uh, but you need a pastor that's locally here. And um, it's amazing how many pastors are not allowing gifts of other pastors, uh, really because it's out of control. And, um, you know, when there's a call in your life and you know that you're going to do what you need to do and nobody can stop you, then you can release other people to do what they need to do and they can't be stopped either. And so I'm thankful that in the transition that passed, uh, that the Holy Ghost said, uh, this is where Pastor Mark and Ashley are coming. And they answered that call. Now, they thought they were going to go back to Texas. You know, they assumed that. That's why we asked that question. What are you going to Texas? Well, I mean, I thought I would. But at the end of the day, you can think or you can do. You can think what you want to do or you can do what God wants you to do. And at the end of the day, it's better just to do what God wants you to do. Amen. And so, man, look at the church now. I mean, we did a Kingdom Rise last year here. And it has grown tremendously. I'm just so excited about what God's doing. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Are y'all expecting tonight? I mean, somebody's expecting. They moved a whole row out of the way. Glory to God. I'm like, all right, Lord. I didn't see anything in the spirit about a row being gone, but we'll see what happens. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hadn't the word been rich? Did you Have you received anything? Is there still more to receive? I'm talking about what you've already heard. That's why you'll need to get what, what's been ministered already so that you can, you know, keep, keep, it, keep it in your spirit. So that there's so many nuggets, right? Because I look around, I try to see who the note takers are. Right? Now, again, some people are like, man, I just can't stay up if I take notes. Fine. Get the recordings and go home and start, stop, and, you know, take some notes. Get it in your spirit. Study it. You know, I understand why Paul said, you know, I don't want to labor in vain. I said, I don't want to labor in vain. You know, because you, you pour your life out. You're seeing it done, being done in your own life. And you just want everyone to get the goodness of God. Amen. Well, would everybody extend your hand towards Roddy right now, Pastor Roddy? Um, because you understand at Champion Life, you know, they have they have cute sermons over there. 
And so um, they only go about 30 minutes. So when I get up to preach, it's, you know, tough. So I got you a Snickers for tonight. I'm going to go ahead and give you one. That way it's king size, right? That way in case you get hungry, you know, I just don't want you to fall out, right? Matt, if he starts to fall and Chris, you know, y'all hold him up like Aaron and her. Just hold him up, you know. Now, when I was at Rama, <laughs> when I was at Rama, I worked a third shift job. And so I would go in at 1030 at night, get off at 7 o'clock in the morning if all the orders were pulled. And so class started at 830. We had a permanent tardy because our children couldn't be dropped off at the elementary school until 830. And so we would always get there about five, 10 minutes late. And so um, back when I went to Ramey, you actually had to sign in. You know, you sit down and you would sign in that you were there. And so they do it different now. They got a lot of electronic stuff. Uh, but I would sit down um, next to my wife and, you know, because I've worked all night and we're go to three different classes. In those classes, eventually I'd start feeling it, you know, and you just, you know, they're not more ugly than trying to stay awake. Can I tell you that? There's nothing more ugly about your face than when you're fighting, trying to stay awake. Right. I mean, you can't even do it on your own to look that ugly. But, you know, when you're like going off and you're like holding that, trying to hold that up, you know, and your eyes start to glaze, you look rough. So it's really just better to get up and stand up in the back. Well, that's what I did because I kind of got tired of my ribs getting bruised because my wife was starting to see my head go and she'd elbow me. She don't want to be embarrassed by me, you know, falling out. You know, now, cool thing at Raymond, they'd have thought I fell out in the spirit. It wouldn't have mattered. Um, but um, I did fall asleep twice standing up at Raymond. One time I was in the back of a class. I had, you know, everybody was sitting in the seat. It was a smaller one. And I was standing up like this, having my book in my hand, you know, taking notes. And I dozed off. And when I did, my book fell out of my hand. And man, when it hit, it hit hard. And everybody's head turned like that. And I went like this. Started flipping the pages like it was intentional, like I'm reading. The other time was it was in the big auditorium. And um, I had um, revelation of the threefold nature man. You know, we are a spirit. Uh, or we are in a body, you know, we have a mind and we are a spirit, right? Spirit, soul, body. And I started to go. And somewhere in the going, my knees buckled enough that I caught myself, but I felt like my spirit man just bounced inside my body so that I could stay up. My wife said, I don't know how you got anything out of Raymond. In fact, I, I can write in tongues when you're falling asleep. I would take notes and then it would just be like Morse code and... No telling what that is. <laughs> the Lord will give it to me in the spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight, um, you know, there's so many ways we can go in the kingdom. There's some things that we do want to tie together, uh, and I endeavor to do that. Um, but, you know, as the course of us, we do not talk to each other about what we're going to minister on. There's usually kind of a direction that maybe we get. And then all of a sudden someone keys on some things and it triggers things in our spirit. And all of a sudden when it triggers, you're like, oh, let me go down that road. Oh, let me go down that road. Right. Oh, because he did that. I'll go ahead and take that then. You know, it seemed like the Holy Ghost saying, go ahead and hit that route. Go there. You know, and um, um, it's difficult being a closer. 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'd much rather do it somewhere else. Uh, because when you're closing, you're like, man, this is like the last thing they're going to hear before we're finished. Unless the Holy Ghost said, come back tomorrow night. And we just did that anyway. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, revivals are unplanned. I'm just saying. True revivals are unplanned. Things just kind of take place. They just kind of keep going. But um, so, you know, you want to be able to bring some things together. And um, as they were ministering today, I had a, a thought process. And then it just kind of hit my spirit, you know. Now, where I'm going tonight, I'm telling you, you'll if you'll get what I preach, because it's the Word of God, then I can guarantee you'll never not get what you believe for. It's guaranteed. If you will understand what I preach tonight, then there will never be another time in your life that you will not get what you're believing for. Period. Period. You know, uh, as Pastor Roddy said, you know, we just really don't have time to play around anymore. And, and at the end of the day, we have to deal with a lot of religious stuff now. Um, because a lot of times we didn't realize how religious we were. Uh, we were talking about this in the back room. I'm amazed at how all of us experienced trying to be right with God without being right with God. And then coming to the revelation, we can't do it on our own, right? So there, as a lost person, I mean, a child of the devil, we had enough sense to realize when the Holy Ghost, who we don't even know, tells us, you need Jesus as your Savior. You're going to need to get born again. And then we're like, I believe. That Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. I will not have a relationship with the Father any other way. And then we pray that prayer of salvation. And then I'm amazed at how instantaneous believers, then new children act like you can't tell me what to do now. That I've arrived. Why? Because typically what we preach as gospel is only this. Ask Jesus into your heart so when you die you go to Heaven and the rest of learning is really irrelevant. And in that attitude, we've developed, we like instantly jump right into pride. We don't want to change our thinking. I mean, there's so many things as I've gone through the world, I'm like, hmm, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said it that way. Right? And I would much rather God correct me or strengthen things away or make things clear. The, the apostle Apollos, he was instructed not by Paul, but by two of Paul's disciples, Priscilla and Aquila. They listened to the man preaching. He preached the baptism of John, and it was the truth. But they pulled him aside and said that they showed him a more clear way and began to teach him on the kingdom. Then if you follow what happens to him when he preaches after that, he begins to preach on the kingdom of God. I'm glad he didn't say, who are, who are y'all trying to instruct? You're not even Paul. And you know how long I've been preaching? Paul said he was an eloquent. I mean, Paul, by all rights, would probably say, he spoke better than I did. But yet he had at least enough humility or relationship to realize, I don't know everything there is to know. 
I don't have time to be around believers who act like they know it all. I don't have time for that. At the end of the day, we should always be hungry. The day you quit growing or learning uh, new things of the Lord, you're not growing anymore. And by all rights, you're backsliding. There's only two reasons why you're not getting additional revelation. One, you don't want it. Or two, you're not faithful with what you've already heard. So when, when the kingdom shows up, and all of a sudden, does it change whether Jesus Christ died on the cross or rose from the grave? It doesn't change whether I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, whatever, and speaking in tongues. It doesn't change the authority of the believer, the health of God, but it puts it all in perspective. And then all of a sudden, there's things that are being said that we're like, hmm, I'm not really sure that's exactly what God meant now. Because when we're ignorant of the word, we'll say a lot of stuff, and we'll wrap God in it, and God's not even in it. So what I endeavor to do as an apostle to Anchor Faith Churches is to make sure we're always hungry. I mean, I can't account for no other church body. Although I can go to other church bodies and I can do my assignment of ministering, but when it comes to Anchor Faith Church, we are going to defend the culture of the kingdom. There's only two fights that we are in right now. The fight of faith and the fight for the culture of the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to let somebody come in to our, our uh, covering, our congregation, that Jesus is actually the head of the church and try to dictate our culture. No, God's the only one who has a right to tell us of our culture and we'll act on that culture. And you're not going to come in and bring me a religious culture. Well, at our church, we used to, I don't care about what you did. Doesn't matter. Because Jesus doesn't care about what you did. But he sure will take you somewhere. Are you hearing me? So I'm going to start in Pastor Roddy's uh, verse that he typically kicks off on uh, Kingdom Rise conferences. And it's in Luke chapter 2. 12, verse 32, it says, do not be afraid. Man, God says that so much. Why in the world will we be afraid, period? Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has chosen what? Gladly to give you the kingdom, which implies then you didn't have it at some juncture. But he's with great joy does he want to give us the kingdom. So we should want to know how to receive the kingdom and then walk in our king's dominion. Are you hearing me? Okay, don't get quiet on me. Okay, I've ministered in some places, man, and start going, and then people get quiet. Now, I, if it hits, great, but make some noise. It'll help you. Okay, because I'm not going to pull no punches. I'm going to be all up in your stuff tonight. Only so that every time you believe, you'll never fail. This is why we've coined the phrase uh, at Anchor Faith Churches is that we're not a church that prays. We're a church that has answered prayers. There's a difference because all religions pray. I'm not impressed with a prayer meeting because if the prayers don't aren't answered, who cares? Okay. So we have to tap into where we get, we're having answers. And listen, I did not call in this cold front. I called it in 
for the hurricane. This is another one. But now if y'all are upset with it, we can take care of that. All right. I have, I have no opinion in the matter about this cold front right now. I'm just saying. So the father is glad to give us the kingdom. Look what it says in John 3, 3. John 3, 3. Jesus answered, said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this kingdom, which is a government, okay, it's not a religion. The Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. You must change your thinking to that thinking only. Period. Do not. Again, associate this book as a religious book. It's about a king because right now the father is on a throne. Thrones are in king. It's a fit, it is a literal place where he sits on a throne and, at, and the throne at his right hand, Jesus sits right now. I said right now. They, if we could be translated to heaven like Paul said, I knew a man, whether in body or out of body, I do not know. We could be physically present before Jesus Christ, our Lord and the Father. I mean, it exists. Just like we would believe Africa exists right now. How many have been to Africa? No, raise your hands high so we can see who you are. So the rest of you, how do you know it exists? Because of a map? Because words saying it exists somewhere? Because I saw a video? Oh, you and I both know videos can be manipulated. Right? No, we believe. The good news is it does exist, just to let you know, been there, all right? It is, I mean, now, technically, I didn't look out the window the whole time and, like, trace, make sure, you know. I mean, honestly, they could have plopped me down in the middle of uh, um, Australia, and I wouldn't have known. I mean, at the end of the day, you're like, sleep, you get up, you're like, oh, okay, I'm somewhere. Oh, this must be Africa. I just believed them at their word. Okay. Still took takes faith. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, you must be born again to even see it. Notice anytime Jesus talked about just the fact of being born again, which is only one time to the same guy about 2.30 in the morning, not even publicly preached be born again. In context of born again, it was about seeing the kingdom and then entering. It was never a born again is just access. Yet, most churches are laying it all on just the one experience. And I'm telling you, again, just to get our minds thinking right, okay? It's no different than if all we do is get people born again and then do nothing else than a, a, a couple go to the hospital, deliver a child, look at it and rejoice, take pictures, put it on Facebook, and then they walk out and leave the child there. Now, by all rights, they say, I have a child. See the picture? Well, where are they? Oh, I just left them in the hospital. Because if we're not discipling them, if we're not teaching them how to act, they may have entered into the world, but they're not going to do all that they need to do unless they are trained. Are you hearing me? So Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, then, 
And this Amplified Classic, he says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, crying out, repent. Now, repent is not a religious word, okay? It literally means to change your mind for the better. And again, we have problems because we've been taught for so long that, you know, we're not worthy. Well, when you were outside the kingdom, you weren't worthy. You were only worthy of the punishment due to a, a person that's a treasonist. Someone who's a treason, who does treason against a country, that rebels against a, co- a country or is an enemy of a country. Are you hearing me? So by all right, sure. But the minute you were born again, you became a child of another kingdom. And now he's made you worthy because now you're in Christ. So you're repenting for the better. Why? You want to change your mind for the better. You want to quit having stinking thinking that keeps you in trouble and has death find you. Because the wages of sin is what? And the more we sin or disobey God, the more we're saying, come on, death, come find me. Because your sin will surely, and if sin's finding you out, then death's finding you. This is why it shouldn't be so um, like, wow, why does this keep happening in these locations? Communities that are constantly living lifestyles contrary to God's kingdom are going to have way more problems in them. And you... Natural man can do all kinds of laws. Well, they need to be educated, you know. We got to get better education, you know. We're going to have to help them more financially. We're going to have to do this. That's what the governments of the world do, but they don't change the heart of man. And they're wondering why there's still crime. There's still, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, the, the parents aren't around in the house anymore. You know, there's disadvantages, all kinds of things going wrong in certain communities. But how do they believe? So they're like, death come. They have an open door. The only way you shut those doors is to get out of that system. So he says, change your mind for the better. Hardly amend your ways, right? And you should hate your past sins. Because what that tells you is, I'm never going to live against the kingdom again. You know how many people get in the kingdom, born again, but then act like the uh, Israelites in the wilderness? Boy, if we could just go back to Egypt. And now congregations are saying, you can be in God's kingdom and still live like you're from Egypt. Oh, it's crazy, Bill. Crazy, Bill. No, for the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand, it's in our midst, it's here. Okay? Romans chapter 10, verse 16 and 17 says this. However, they did not heed the good news For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of Christ. The Lord showed me this not too long ago. He said, son, verse 17 is a qualifier. He said, because we're acting like faith only exists with God. He said, that is not true. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. We associate faith only with God. But, and I'm going to show you in Romans, we'll go there, that faith is a firm persuasion. Okay, let's just read it, then I'll come back. Let's just jump on over real quick to Romans 4, 20 and 21. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, 
giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Fully persuaded means this, to fill one with any thought, conviction, or inclination, to make one certain, to persuade, convince, to be persuaded, persuaded, fully convinced, or sure. Okay, I'll give a test. Do you want to know what it means to be fully persuaded? You want to know what it feels like to know that you know you know. Okay, here you go. You ready? Three plus two equals. Don't tell me. Three plus two equals. Three plus two equals. Now, as a show of hands, who is firmly persuaded they can get that right? Really? Are you sure? Could I talk you out of that? If I put a gun to your head right now and said, I'll blow your brains out unless you can answer three plus two equals. Would you be like, I got this. Would you feel threatened? Not at all. You wouldn't even feel threatened. Now, you might feel threatened when they put a gun to your head and they say, you're going to have to answer one question. If you don't get it right, I'm going to blow your brains out. You're like, oh, my God. Right? And then all of a sudden they say, what is three plus two? Okay. Camden, that is your son. <laughs> he is fully persuaded. <laughs> Very good. And that's what faith looks like. It has a shout. It'll go ahead and say it. It's not afraid or intimidated. Right? Now, here's the thing. If you don't have that same feeling or knowing in by his stripes you were healed, and you know it, Because if I threw out a trigonometry equation right now, still math, with the principles of three plus two equal. But I start throwing letters in there, start throwing, you know, uh, <laughs> algorithms in there. It'd be like, how did the alphabet get mathematics, right? Okay, you want me to go with it. Okay, I understand. The quadratic equation. Yeah, you want that one? Okay. So it means a firm persuasion. Well, let me ask you this. How many people are firmly persuaded they'll die when they get cancer? How many people get firmly persuaded that if there's a layoff, they'll get laid off? How many are firmly persuaded right now that, you know, we have global warming happening? How many are firmly persuaded that a right for a woman to choose to destroy what's in her womb? Are they, are they not firmly persuaded? So then they're faith people. Oh, you don't want to. They're faith people. At the end of the day, they're faith people. We're like, we're faith people. Everybody's faith people. So again, we've read verse 17 thinking that faith only exists with us, but that's not true. People have faith in the natural of the little white dotted line in the road or the yellow one, right? Two lane road, it's, white, it's yellow dots and they're driving and that car is coming 60 miles an hour. Have you ever seen a head on collision at two cars hitting at 60 miles an hour? Yet they are firmly persuaded 
that a person they don't know, don't know their mental condition, don't know whether they've been drinking or smoking dope, but that are, they are just dry. I mean, and they're so, they're like, like this, got their phone out. Firmly persuaded that the car is staying on the other side. They don't even have a doubt. Because if they had doubts, they'd be like, the car's coming. The car's coming. Oh, Lord, please, please. Don't let them in. Oh, God. It's the Lord. They went by. Whew. Right? Or I'm going to pull over just in case they get over on my side. You would never drive then. Why? Because you'd be afraid. And people are like this with God's word. We have more faith in things going on in the world than we have in God. Verse 17 is the qualifier because verse 16 tells us. What's it say? Go back to verse 16. It says this. He says, the, the, the prophet says, Lord, who has believed our report, which means there's two reports. Isaiah said there's two reports out here. Whose report are you going to believe? So then 17 says, where do we derive our firm persuasion? Faith comes by hearing. That's just period. Faith comes by hearing. Period. Faith comes by hearing. There was a time before 2020 that no one wore a mask. Right? No one. But some people got firmly persuaded. Based upon what they heard. Now, at the end of the day, that's just a persuasion because faith is acting on what you heard, letting it govern your life. I mean, you're, you're doing it. It's not like you're hearing it and then you don't do it. That's not faith. Faith, as I hear it, I'm going to have to act on that. So I'm going to put it on. Okay. Many were firmly, are firmly persuaded the vaccine is going to help. Many are firmly persuaded you can't get ahead in the United States unless you graduate from college. Whose report do you believe? I mean, we've got all kind of Christian parents that are not saying, son, what's the Lord talking to you about that you need to be when you get older? You know, like, now, son, you're going to have to go to college now. That's what we do. Really? Does the creator of heaven and earth who knows more than any college professor? Could he not have a right to say, Jesus, tell the Holy Ghost to tell them that I want them to do this. Josh Clay, come up here. Joshua Clay has a father who was uh, who's born again, filled full of Holy Ghost business guy, right? Caleb, where are you at? Caleb here? Caleb, get up here. Caleb, these are brothers in case you can't tell. All right. And so I'll take your hat off so they can see your twins. <laughs> okay. So... All right. At the end of the day, their dad had a plan for their life. And his plan is that it's going to ultimately be in the sign company, you know, Randy Clay and Sons. No doubt. Now, did he raise y'all about business? So this guy, I meet how old? Twelve. How old were you? Even younger. Eight. Okay, he was not in our youth ministry, but he hung around a little bit, right? This guy I met when I was 12. Well, when I got called away from being a youth pastor to start Anchor Bay Church in 2004, 
his dad had told them too that if you ever do ministry or something, he would support, right? He said that. These were words out of his mouth. Correct them, I? Yeah. Okay. He turns 18. Guess what he tells dad? Much to dad's surprise. I want to move to St. Augustine to help Pastor Earl plant the church. And dad said, <laughs> Yep. Yep. Because dad thinks he knows the voice of God for his child. And if you're going to do something and be successful, oh, y'all want to hear this? It's fine. I'm preaching anyway. Because we don't have time for your kids to get bogged down and chewed up in the world before they finally figured out on their own that mom and dad probably shouldn't have pushed me so hard into an area that God never wanted me to go in the first place. So his dad calls me. You know, he wants to come, wants to come. He, I mean, he don't even have a plan, don't even have a plan. I'm like, so? <laughs> I said, Abraham got up and went. The minute the Lord said, get up and go. I said, at least you know where he's going. And did he not hold his dad to his words? He said to his dad, he said, now, dad, you said, if I felt like I was called to ministry, you support me. Well, he didn't like that. So he kept talking to me. So this is what he did. He said, son, I'll give you a year. You come up with a plan. Now, we're just going to be honest. His dad thought in a year that this little fad, because he was just missing his old youth pastor, would go away and he would see the light, that he should be part of the company. Because dad's desire is that my sons are going to run this company and we are going to be a global network. We're going to be the best business people in the world. And God's going to use us and loves us. And then he turned 19. He said, well, it's 19. I'm ready to go. <laughs> he was like, no. Well, he changed his mind. Why? Because he, I said, listen, Randy, what's the worst that could happen? I said, come hang out with me. If he doesn't make it, I'll send him home. <laughs> at least you know where he's at. So he comes. Mom and dad show up. What year? 2009. They get a word in 2008. Come to find out, God all the while wanted them to move too, and they didn't know. So their whole family actually moved to St. Augustine. Well, he was already there. The rest came. But then what they didn't realize is that Caleb was going to come here. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? And all the while thinking they know the perfect plan and not being wise enough as parents to say, what's the Lord saying? Uh, now, I'm going to just go ahead and put a plug for Rama. If your children are about to graduate, it would be wiser for you to send them to Rama for two years get grounded in the word a little bit more before they go over into college. I'm just going to tell you right now, because as, 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 as mature as you think your children are, the devil's ready to chew them up and spit them out in college. All right, you can be seated. Now, you don't have to take my advice. I don't care. But I'm just telling you right now, most young people are not ready the devil has a perfect system 
Because most of your kids aren't actually believing God anyway. They're here because you brought them. They're living off your faith. Many of them are. It'd be better to get them where people can surround them with faith and try to keep stirring it up. Because you know what? They'll probably make mistakes out there. But it's better to make mistakes trying to follow God because at the end of the day, just growing in the knowledge of God is going to strengthen you in anything you're called to do. All right. So whose report will you believe? Well, 17 tells us faith just comes by hearing. But your hearing should come from the word of Christ. So there's the qualifier. Where does my faith? I choose to only listen to the word. Because the word has a way of knowing more than the world. <laughs> Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and Oh, man, that's just, you know, the word is so old. The word is futuristic. The word's already been, is out there beyond us. I mean, this is the most relevant thing a church could ever do, and that is preach the word. You know, well, we need to be relevant to this generation. I want to be more than relevant. I want to give them things that they've not even heard of in the future yet, and I have to do that with the word. Hallelujah. So our faith has to come from the word. Why? Now, and it's not just any word. Because again, when he gives us a qualifier, whose report are you going to believe? You're going to believe what the world's saying, what the scientists are saying, what the experts are saying? I only listen to the Holy Ghost, even though I've had natural people tell me things. I've had natural people say things. You need to do this. And the Holy Ghost says, that's right. So then I do it. But I've had other natural people say some things, and the Holy Ghost says, no, no. Because whose report am I going to believe? And let me tell you, the devil, when he starts talking, he talks death and death, destruction. So again, a lot of times we get firmly persuaded for self-preservation. I want to die. Well, how can I die? If I'm in the perfect will... They could not kill Jesus before his time. Okay. Man, when you're in the perfect will of God, you can get protection. There's a, he'll, he'll, he'll give you all kinds. There are people today that did not die in 9-11 because they heard the Holy Ghost say, don't go. Now, most people, well, that's a coincidence. It's not a coincidence it's called being led by the Holy Ghost. But we want to just dismiss it. Why? Because we don't actually want to bear the responsibility to have to sharpen ourselves to actually hear from God. That's why it's easy to say, you're in control. So that I don't have to take the responsibility to learn how to hear. I've said this before. Because, you know, when it came to finances in general, you know, everybody goes to financial seminars. I said, we don't need another financial seminar. What we need is an obedience seminar. Because if the, if the believers would actually just obey when he talks to them, you know as well as I, how many could raise their hand and says, you know, he was saying something I didn't do it, man, it got me in a little bit of trouble. And if I just would have heeded that, I wouldn't have had that problem. Right? I mean, yeah. I'm like, uh, you go back and you're like, that was the Holy Ghost. Now, here's the thing about that. At least I learned that's what that was. 
and it helped fine tune me, even though I got into some challenge or mistake or something because I did not heed. But there's other things I've heeded, and it seemed like it probably, maybe I'd missed it because, but heeding could have caused a lot to be already avoided, and you'll never know the calamity of that wrong choice now. But our hearing from the word of Christ, I like the New American Standard, word of God, but Christ, because Christ is title, it's the king who will come and establish his kingdom forever. It's the anointed one in his anointing. The reason why it's that way is because they anointed kings. And Jesus was anointed as king. Because Ecclesiastes, the beginning of that verse says, where the word of the king is, there's power. So I have to choose and decide that now that I'm in God's kingdom, his government, where he's the king, and he has the final say, as Pastor Marcus ministered, he has the final say. He has the final say. Are you hearing me? The religious uh, ruler hears the doctors say, your daughter is sick. Okay. Then he hears the doctor say, man, she's going, we can't help her. She's going to die. So he's like, I've heard about Jesus. And he went running for him. And he runs to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you come to my, my daughter's sick to the point of death? Will you come? If you just lay hands on her, she'll be made whole. He said, yeah, I'll come. And he's moving to her house. Now, you know, when he walks in, before he even gets there, what comes back? What report comes? He left the house knowing she's so sick, they can't heal her. There's no medicine that's going to work. And now they've decided she's probably going to die. Now, if Jesus just wouldn't have been detained by another woman, maybe they'd have made it. It's probably what dad's thinking. But Jesus has already given him a word. Oh, you don't. Jesus says, I'll come and heal her. That's it's done. So Jesus could have stayed three days. Four, actually. <laughs> anyway. So. Obviously, as he's going, they come and say, don't bother teaching anymore. She's died. And what does Jesus do? Only believe. The coroner's there. They've already declared her dead. Right? He walks in the house. They're crying. He said, why y'all crying? This sounds silly, doesn't it? But our king walks in the room and says, why y'all crying? She's dead. She's dead. Oh, she's not. She said, man, she's not dead. She's asleep. And then they quit, which tells me they were professional mourners because they started laughing. Their tears were fake anyway. And then he runs them out of the room. Why? And he walks in the room, and what happens? Come on, what happens? He says, daughter. Who's talking? The king. The one who has the final say. Daughter, get up. And he was able to go with that voice, was able to get all the way into the grave. Grab her spirit, pull it back up into her body, and she got up. And when she got up, the symptoms that were on her that caused her spirit to leave in the first place now we're not. 
So whose report? And yet, statistically, the church is so illiterate with the word. I mean, listen, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. As often as you're coming to church. You're not going to make it. Because the devil is pumping you 24-7. The information he's dropping downrange now, and, and young people are at the greatest disadvantage because they're stuck. I mean, the images, the things, what's being said, all that stuff, that is a report. It's talking, it's saying, it's doing. The violence, you know, the injustice, the die, they can hear everything. It's just bad, 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 bad. Then they show up here, half, half, you know, half the time still looking through their stuff while the pastor's preaching. I mean, even adults do this. At Anchor Bay Church, we're down in St. Octave. I'm like, if you can't not look at your phone and only keep it on your Bible app and notes, you might want to leave it in your car because it's definitely become an idol to you. I love my Bible app. I would hate to not have my nice electronic device of which notifications show up. I even have people text me sometimes. You don't want to give me an announcement. But I stay so focused on the word, I don't know that I will be texting. I'm not going to look at that. I am focused at what God needs me to deliver. I do not want to be distracted by the world popping in all the time. You want to know whether your teens got an addiction? Take their phone one day. Okay. But you're not going to do it because I whine and cry. And you need them to be entertained anyway because you don't want to engage in the conversation. And then you want them to live for Jesus. When we ourselves are stuck in these devices all the time, looking at all kind of other stuff. Hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. I understand you think this would be over the top, but God's doing this. I mean, sometimes I'm almost like, let me have my ushers just go around and take pictures of other people on things. And then at the end of service, we're going to play them. <laughs> now, you know what's going to immediately happen. I can't, they're so controlling. They're like, God's looking at you knowing you ain't listening to nothing I just said, that the word of God would have changed your life and you would have overcome an obstacle. And when you went to believe God for something, you would have never got into doubt because you actually would have stayed attentive to hear what I said. But you ain't listening to what I'm saying because I'm just a voice and your TikTok's more important than what God's trying to say to you right now. And I'm supposed to compete with 168 hours a week and you can't last more than 30 minutes and I have to give you a Snickers so you can last? <laughs> you know why Roddy slings water? Because half of you look dehydrated while he's preaching. He's like, wake up, wake up. <laughs> yeah, I really want to throw water on him, but I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> Amen. Because this is what we don't really know. I mean, we read it, but we are not firmly persuaded. Look at Isaiah 55, 11. We were talking about this verse. Look at this verse. This is, this is like, how, how, God is not a man that he should. But the problem is we lie so much, we've conditioned ourselves to assume that God does. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. Now that word please is important because without faith it's impossible to please God. Okay. And it shall prosper in a thing for which I sent it. God says this. Which means if God speaks to you, either through a scripture revealing it by the Holy Ghost, or just the Holy Ghost says something in your spirit, man, about something. Then it's done. Period. Period. Because the king has spoken. And we got to know that word is three plus two. Got it. I remember when we went to buy them all, you know, I've told you this, but it bears repeating that, you know, I mean, it's ready to put $250,000 down just to get contract. $250,000 down just to get contract. And here's the thing. That was money I don't get back if we don't come up with the deposit. Bam. So I'm like, well, I know the Lord's word says. To possess the land that he owns a cattle on a thousand the earth is the lord so by all rights it's already mine in that context but lord man you're right timing it's what i'm supposed to do we're ready now and there's a risk here but there's no risk with a word so i told my wife we were going to go camping that weekend and we were going to leave after service on wednesday i said i'm going to go down uh earlier to set up our camper come back pick you up we'll go to the service and then the camper be already set up for us after service. And um, while I'm going, I'm going to be praying. And so I was going down A1A and I'm um, not too far from my house. I saw these huge homes. Well, I guess it probably was further from my house. Well, we weren't living there at that one at where we're at now. Anyway, there's a place down in Flat County called the Hammocks. Very huge homes, you know, uh, golf country club type deal. And they got these houses right on the beach. And as I was coming around, Straightening up to go to Flagler Beach where Pastor Mark's uh, grandma lives. I, uh, I looked over and the Holy Ghost said to me, um, how much do you think that house is? I can take you to that house today. I said, oh, millions. That's millions. He said, what do you notice about it? I said, well, it's, you know, it got, had hurricane shutters on it, right? I said, well, it's probably somebody's winter home, you know. So it's like somebody's second house. He says, you're right. He said, if a man can have a second house that costs millions, don't you think I can get them all? That's all I had to hear. I said, yes, sir. And it was over. So let me tell you, we didn't get the deposit in the time of the contract. And I lost $250,000. Oh, you don't want to hear this. But did I lose it? I'm just going to tell you, I didn't lose nothing because I'm like, I'll have that. I get it. I get it. 
One year went by, two year went by, three year went by, people showing up on the property, acting like they're going to buy it. I'm not even in contract, but we're raising money like we're in it. We're calling it, speaking it, talking it. Every time I get on the property, thank you, Lord, for 2120 when US 1 South. Thank you. I just thank you for it. It's mine. It's already mine. You said it. See, some of you about passed out when you're like, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. See, it's because you don't know your daddy. That two hundred fifty thousand dollars was God's money that they could not even think about letting go. Even through the years, they came and said, "You're our only Bible buyer." I'm like, you know, that's true, <laughs> right? But many people will sweat because they'll start listening to the conditions. Oh, the devil talked to me many times. They're going to run you out of town when they find out they ain't getting that 250 back. That you lost it. I didn't lose it. Didn't lose it. So I came up to have to, I'm like, I, I needed to expand. I'm like, geez, I got to expand. I said, I can't wait to buy this thing. I'm going to have to rent some more. So you know what wisdom said? Yeah. I said, I'm going to sign a lease. I want to take another 10,000 square feet. Okay, yes. Yes, Pastor Earl, they love our money, right? Yes, Pastor Earl, okay. And so I said, now listen, um, I realize there's $250,000 that y'all have that's rightfully yours based upon the thing. I said, but, you know, I, we're going to buy this property. So can you put in this that when we settle on the price we agreed at the beginning that you'll put that back in? Yes, sir. So there it is. They wrote it back in through the lease. Yep, there it was. And ultimately, when I bought it, I got it at a better interest rate, and they gave me money back. Are you hearing me? Because the word works. Because they had the final say. But here's the thing. I'm not telling you to go throw money somewhere and then lose it if God ain't talked to you. This is the key. You know what? I gave a car to someone. Somebody else gave a car to someone. God told me to give a car to someone, but didn't tell them to give a car. You can't expect to be getting what I get when I obey God at doing, and then you just are really lusting after what comes to a person who gives and does it as God says. Are you hearing me? So here's the thing. James 1.22 says this, but be doers of the word. I got to go quicker so we won't think I preached all night. James 1.22 says it this way, but be doers of the word. Obey the message and not merely listen to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reading. You know what? I'm just going to tell my staff right now, you know, and those who came to help, I want to see your notes. I want to know what kind of notes you took while you were here. I want to have a conversation with you and say, what did you get out of the conference? Because I don't want to bring a team that all they want to do is get up on the platform, sing, and then be disconnected from the doggone messages. Now, I won't let our worship team, like most worship teams, because I've been to these other conferences where they bring worship teams in, they do their song, and then they go back and sit in the green room. They're not even in service. And then they wait for the ministry to be done, and then they'll end up calling. I'm like, I looked at Pastor and I said, we, you will never do that. The audacity, the arrogance that you think you're just going to come up here and play your little entertainment set. Give me a break. 
I pull spoons out first. Yeah. And have an anointed spoon session and get the Holy Ghost to fall. And you can stay at the house. I can't play spoons. You understand? Can you play spoons? Okay, you can. Bring your Snickers up; we'll have it. <laughs> I actually got him a king size, so there's two because I expect to eat half of that before it's over with. <laughs> okay, so we got to be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listens uh, listeners to it, betraying yourselves with deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. Because here's the next thing: coming to church isn't enough. Because what are you doing while you're here? Who cares you came to Kingdom Rise Conference if you're not going to apply and obey what's been taught? I've been doing ministry for almost 30 years now, 26, 27 years, 18 in the location we're at now. And I've come to find out most believers are deceived. Most. And they say, well, I believe God. And I honestly, probably eight out of ten, I could say, no, you don't. I don't say that because you're awesome. And we want to encourage you (laughs) to live by faith, right? And say, well, all right, praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. So let's tell me what you stand on, you know, keep keep encouraging them. But I tell you, I've learned this in the years when it comes to going to the hospital, somebody does something, I'm real. I'm like, where are you at? Because that's already happened one time where I had somebody that, you know, act like they were believing God and then they didn't believe God, but they never told their family and then they died. And then it seems like God did that. and God didn't do that because I was there when they said it hurts too much to deal with this past pain. I would rather die and died. But didn't tell the family. So by all rights, the family would think God didn't do what my, you know, family member was believing. That's not true. So I just point blank ask, where are you at? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I believe, what they believe, what your husband believes, your wife believes, whoever's sick. doesn't matter. What are you believing right now? Where's your firm pursuit? Because don't be up in here telling me that you're believing God, you're going to be healed, and you're scared on the inside. You better be honest. Because I need to know there's a firm persuasion here. Because when there's a firm persuasion, you're coming out of this. Period. It's going to happen. So we need to be honest with ourselves when we're not being doers of the word. When we're reasoning contrary to the truth. Which brings us to the beginning of this chapter. And I want to set you free. So that you'll never ever not have what God says for your life. In James chapter 1 verse 2 to verse 8. This is the most frustrating thing with believers. Going today, I know that. I'm convinced of that. I've seen it too many years. I know it takes place. And so we're going to free you tonight. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your what? Of your what? Now your faith is built on what? The word of Christ. 
your firm persuasion is because you heard God say, and nothing else matters now. So, so the minute you believe God in his word, guarantee you this, something's going to come along in the scene realm that is going to try to convince you that there's no way that can happen. No way. If you have symptoms in your body, typically when you say, I believe God, some, it's not uncommon for your next report by the doctor to be worse or for your next day to feel worse. It's not uncommon. Because again, at the end of the day, the devil is not going to go, okay, well, let's just... Um... So it's not uncommon. It says, let endurance have its perfect results so that uh, you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 5, but if any one of you lacks wisdom... Now this is getting us into knowing what God says about our situation. When you get in the trial, you got to hear God. I know God wanted us to buy property. I know that. I know God owns all the property. I know that. The next thing I got to know now, I'm seeking wisdom. I lack some wisdom. Is this the time to pull the trigger to do the deal? And I get the information. Okay, I'm locked. Here we go. Nothing else matters. So if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. Which means when you ask God, what do you say about this situation I'm in or, or what I'm facing right now or this mountain that we're looking at that I need to talk to? Not saying, Lord, you're in control. Do something. Not, what do you need me to do right now in the earth? Because I'm a king of the king. How do I declare decree? How do I stand? Just give me your word because it will not return unto you void. It will accomplish that which it was sent to do. So send it to me. I'm going to say it and send it back to you, firmly persuading it's going to happen. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He's going to give it to you. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. If you ask, it'll be given to you. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. So quit confessing you can't hear him. I'll hear him. Now, he may not talk to me today. He may not talk to me a month from now. But if I keep asking, he'll have to say something. But then we get to verse 6. But, okay, he must, he must. How he must. Not he might, he could, maybe he should. He must ask. How? In faith. You have to ask how? In, I am firmly persuaded I am going to get the answer I need, and then when I hear it, I'll believe it. He must ask in faith, then he adds a tag, without any, any, any doubting. For the one who doubts. It's like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the sea. Right? For that man, what man? The man that is asking in faith who is to ask in faith without doubting if they doubt then that man next verse, come on. That man ought not to expect he will receive anything from the Lord. That man here it is, verse 8. Being a double-minded man, 
unstable in all his ways. Now I'm going to read a few passages from other translations of 6, 7, and 8, or 7 and 8, depending on which one we go to, so that you'll get some real clarity about that. Verse 7 and 8 of the Amplified Classic says it this way, For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, uh, irresolute, He is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. New Living Translation says it this way, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Uh, I can't remember what FBV stands for, but this translation says, but when you ask, remember to trust in God. Don't have any doubts. Someone who doubts is like the crashing waves of the sea tossed about and driven by the winds. Nobody like that should think they'll get anything from the Lord. Their minds think every which way they are unstable in whatever they do. The message of verse 8 has this added in it. Okay, I just want to key on this one little thing that the message says. It says, keeping all your options open. Keeping all your options open. Plan B. Well, now, if God doesn't, we can do this. Oh. Oh. Just in case God can't do what he says. And you know what happens when plan B happens. Then we say, well, you know, the Lord wanted to do something different. God's, uh, the Good News Testament says it this way. If you are like that, unstable to make up your mind and undecided in all you do, you must not think that you will receive anything from the Lord. PEV version, don't remember. If you are like that, it is like you are thinking two ways at the same time. Do y'all have that one, PEV? Y'all should have copied and pasted. (laughs) If you are like that, it is like you are thinking two ways at the same time, and you will not be sure about anything. If you are like that, you can't think that God will help you at all. You know how many people are already law, already, as Pastor Roddy was saying, you're, and Pastor Mark, you're already at a disadvantage. Like, like, you know, Lord, we don't know what you're going to do, but we just trust you'll do it. I mean, you don't even have a word to say. And you're not even asking him for it. 
You're believing he's going to do something that you won't even take the time to find out what he wants to do and then stand on it. And you keep every option open and then talk about all the options. Contemporary English version. Maybe you have this one. It says, if you are that kind of person, you can't make up your mind and you surely can't be trusted. So don't expect the Lord to give you anything at all. And let me tell you why doubt is horrible. Because doubt is the first step to rebellion. The minute you doubt what God says, you're rebelling against his word. You're taking a step to rebellion. The Lord says, I'm going to do this. I don't know now. You don't know now. I'll do what I say. Did Jesus fulfill Genesis chapter 3? I'm going to send my seed. And he's going to crush your head. He's going to bruise his heel. Did he do it? I said, did he do it? And it doesn't matter how many times the enemy tried to kill a bunch of kids to keep the seed from coming. It didn't matter how many kings he had to set up and tear down. Didn't matter. Because he's going to find somebody who'll believe. And he'll run with you to believe until you start doubting. He'll jump you and find somebody that'll believe. Because he'll find somebody that'll get firmly persuaded and get it to pass. Get it done. And we want to know sometimes why. Listen, this is the action, Jesus. Can I do a speed round of scripture? Because this is how Jesus was. Never doubting, never doubting, never doubting, never doubting. That's why he has all of his miracles work. Because he didn't doubt. He did not even doubt. And you know what? Not all of his miracles were instantaneous in front of his eyes. Go show yourself to the priest. And it was as they went, which tells me when Jesus says, I am willing, you're healed. Right? The 10 lepers got healed and they went on the way. Said, go show yourself to the priest. It's not like Jesus saw it. And he goes on. Did he doubt whether or not they were? So was he surprised when the Samaritan came back and said, or uh, whichever one it was, you know, came back and was like, hey, thank you. You healed me. And he was like, wasn't there 10 of you guys? Where's the rest? That's what he was surprised by. I got one to come back. Right? He, 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 he uh, prays for one guy's eyes and said, what do you see? Well, I see, you know, people like trees. Did he say, well... Praise the Lord. I guess it's his will for you just to see blurry. Now just rejoice because you couldn't see nothing, right? Because you not see nothing. No, but you can see something, right? Yes, a little, that's good. Well, good. Praise the Lord. It's blurry, but good. I mean, by all rights, you're better. How many of us will take a progress and then doubt whether we could get the rest and then stay stuck in the middle of something? Okay. Yep, you're right. They want you to be real. Be real, pastor, till you're real. But we really want us to get it. 
Look what Jesus did, John, speed round. John chapter 12, verse 49 and 50. For I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Get up and walk. Dad told him that. Come out. Dad told him that. Okay, let's go on. You don't think that's true? John chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am he and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak the things as uh, things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He, is, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. There's that word again. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, which means Jesus was in faith. Dad, you said I could do this today and I'm going to run across so-and-so and I need to say that, I'll do it. And then he does it. Because he believed God without evidence that it would take place other than I'm just going to say it. Because again, it's not that Jesus is the son of God. Well, that's Jesus, that's God. He's the son of man. He's a man anointed of God, full of the Holy Ghost like we are now. He's showing us how as little kings we get to operate. But he did this without doubting. John chapter 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is why some people get into doubt because God has say something and it doesn't line up with how they want to do stuff. I know of another particular situation of a person in our church. Uh, again, uh, it was a, a spouse. I'm going to say kind of general. And um, they uh, had uh, sickness in their body. And so, you know, we were praying and they would not do any other type of thing. They're like, God's going to heal me alone. Well, that sounded good. But they really weren't believing it. They were believing God would heal, not because God's the healer, but because of the other voice that was speaking. Because there was another voice that said it this way. The Lord's going to heal you and use you in a special ministry. So they were believing God's healing them for the ministry they were going to have. Not because he's the healer. Because they had a selfish ambition to be known. I looked them at their face. I said, let me tell you something. When you first came to this church, your spouse was an alcoholic. You know they were an alcoholic. You were afraid of what they were going to do to your kids. If you don't get off of this, because you're not in faith, you're going to die, and the devil's going to exactly have that. We buried her. Your dad's not in church. Neither are the children. You want to be real? That's real. Because it sure wasn't God's will for that person who was way younger than I was. They didn't even qualify according to Scripture of, you know, having a long life. There was so much for them to have it. But because they wanted their will to be done. Many people are trying to believe God for their stuff. Are you hearing me? Brother Hagan has testimony, and, and Pastor Darrell backed this up. 
he was in a camp meeting and he was had a healing eye, started praying for people to be healed. And he started laying hands on them as the anointing came, came up to a woman, an older woman. And went to lay hands on the Lord in his, in his spirit, the Holy Ghost said, don't touch her. I called her to be a missionary 30 years ago. She's been rebellious. She won't do it. Don't touch her. Why? Because if you're not going to do what God's called you to do, then what's the reason for you to be here? God is not here to heal you so you can do your stuff. Brother, hey, I just heard him preach on healing. He said, God is not here to heal you so you can play tennis. He had a conversation once. He said, why, why do you want to be here? Well, I want to play tennis. God's not here to heal you so you can do what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, if it's only about what you want, oh, you want to hear this. You say, well, that's mean, Lord. The Lord knows your life before you came out of your mother's womb. So don't you be talking about God when he knows whether that person is going to be rebellious in every opportunity that he's ever given them to repent and get right. And he knows they're not. And when he decides, you know what, I'm not doing that. He's just to do it. He is just in his doing. And love does that. Love does that. I just want to remind you, love put Adam out of the garden. We got situations with parenting today that some of y'all need to put your kids out in the house. They might die. They're dying anyway. And you're quibbling them. In fact, you're making them think that God bailed them out all the time in their rebellion and they can stay rebellious. You do them good to get them out, let them get some pig slop. In fact, some parents are delaying their children's opportunity to repent because they won't let them get in pig slop. I mean, go ahead, just go. What's the worst? Man, they get on drugs and become a prostitute, be abused. But if they get repent and then God heals them, Oh, you don't want to hear that. Because again, if as long as some other prostitute gets born again and, you know, they're not my kids, then we'll come and celebrate them and tell them how pure they are and how God will restore their life. Well, I'm sorry if it takes your child to become a prostitute before they'll finally wake up and smell that God's the way. I would much rather them get it right than never and burn in hell forever. But at the end of the day, if they're lusting enough and putting their body out, they're already in a layer of sin anyway. Okay. John, look at this, 14, 10 to 12. Pastor uh, Daryl ministered this last night. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do what? Also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Why are we not doing those works? I can tell you why. It's not because we need more of the Spirit of God and the anointing of God to move. Because we doubt we can do it. We doubt it. I have a personal story of my doubt moment when we were building a fence for our preschool. And uh, one of my board members bought the pickets. We had the frame up, but all we need to do is put the pickets up. And he dropped them off. And it didn't take long for me to look at that pile and say, that is not enough. Now, I was jacked that we were finally going to finish so we could open up this preschool. But at the end of the day, can't be open unless the fence is done. And, you know, we were tight financially anyway. 
So it's like, wow, where am I going to get the money? So while I'm nailing the pickets one at a time going down, I'm like, this is not enough. Now, Lord, what am I going to do? This is not enough. Yes. I mean, I, how, I don't even know where the money is. I mean, I mean, thank you for it. But at the end of the day, this is not going to get it done. I really thought that he was going to you know, do the whole thing. You know, there's just this ain't it. So about the size of the speakers, you know, between these two, I've ran the fence. We got about here, and the Lord said to me, he says, is that what you're going to call it? Now, I knew what he meant then. I'm like, jeez. I didn't, I'm, I'm calling those things that be as they are. I'm like doubting God's, I've got plenty of scripture of where he's taken bread and multiplied it, fish and multiplied uh, uh, oil into jars and it multiplied. Uh, why can't he do it? The works that he did, we can do. I'm like, Lord, I repent. There's more than enough more than enough. Now, I only should have went down to the end and turned the corner, but then we had another corner, another corner, another corner, boom, it kind of went around, right? I mean, we would have needed at least another 75, uh, 100 feet easy offense. But all of a sudden, when I say all of a sudden, where I should have ended, there was still coming. And we just kept going. And we turned a corner and you turn. I'm telling you, it happened. We turned another. That board member still in my church. You could ask him. He'll testify this happened. And I just kept going. And then I got, you know, we're going. The end of that speaker's he finished. And we put the next one. I went to grab one and there were no more. I ran out. And when I looked at what was left, the Lord says, that's how much you doubted. You can pay for that. And I paid for that. If I only would have hooked up here, Lord. But you know why we don't think we can do those kind of works? Because we doubt. We don't even ask and then get courageous enough. The Lord said, believe God in a multiply. From there on, I'd never do a project buying it all. Unless he tells me. Whatever I have, I start. And I'll say, talk to the paint. And we had another project have to build another preschool thing with cinder blocks. And we had had enough money to do so many. I said, start the work. The Lord's going to provide. And while these guys were laying, Tabitha, where's Tabitha? Tabitha, stand up. Her husband was working on this project. Matt, so she can verify. Okay, he, he, he helped us build that wall, right, at the church, right? As he's laying it down with another guy, a guy drives up in a car. I said, what are y'all doing? Oh, well, we're building a wall for our preschool. He says, y'all need some more cinder blocks? I got a whole bunch in my yard, man. If you just come get them, you can have them all. Because if I'd have waited till I had all the money to buy it all, then I would have lost the supply from another man's yard. Thank you. But because I'm like, I just believe God. At the end of the day, I still had to buy more. But there's a whole, I mean sections. I mean, we probably got five or six pallets of cinder blocks out of this guy's yard. It, it at minimum did half of it. That's just cause we started. Just cause we started. Are you hearing me? Well, we better believe God. So the worst that we want to do is cause we need to hear. Now, let me say it this way, just so you'll understand. And we're about to close up. We've got about four or five more scriptures. We're done. Um, when you ask God and he tells you something, don't come off, period. 
Because here's the thing. When you, here's the problem. Well, look what the Bible says. It says, the person who doubts is unstable. They're double-minded. What's that mean? This is the problem that most believers, if I would go to some of you and say, oh, you believe in God, you're like, I believe God. And that would be true. Because you were firmly persuaded when you first asked God, but then you let voices contrary to truth come and you began to doubt it. And then you started saying, we're not going to have enough to be able to pay this. Well, over there you said you have more than enough. Well, what does that look like? Since faith is a currency of the kingdom. You know what a check is, right? I know we don't do checks much anymore. But we used to write checks out, right? Now a check is that the words on this paper is good. And if, if you deposit it, there's an account you can't see that has the supply in it. Right? Now, if you don't want that check check to get to your account after you've written and signed it, what do you do? You void it. You write big letters over the top, void. Now, if anyone ever takes that check, goes to your account and say, hey, look, they've signed it. They're going to give me $10,000. They're like, I'm. Now, at one time, it was good. Oh, it's. The minute you doubt, you're voiding. Which means now, if you're like, oh, man, your check got voided. Can you write me another? You bet I can. And then you're back over in faith. But then all of a sudden, and you void another one. And many of us are over here with voided checks mad at God because we're like, you didn't do it. And he's like, you voted the check. The only way you're going to get it is to stay in faith. Because here, you did know you were in faith. I agree with you. The problem is you voided it when you got double-minded. You got to start over. You got to get back. I believe God, I'm not coming off this time. But let me tell you, if the, if the devil can get you to void your faith, make no mistake about it. He'll pound, pound. And let me tell you something. God is not even moved by that. I mean, God could say, well, I, I, I mean, it could have manifested 24 hours earlier. But are they going to void this check too? This is why many are leaving the church. Because I would agree. Brother Hagin said this, powerful. He said, Jesus, if you came to my room right now, came in here and told me I didn't believe, I'd have to call you a liar. He said, son, you do believe based upon what you know. Which means you don't have a check big enough to get the results. So he's like, I'm going to have to get some more faith here. i got to have a firm persuasion that's going to cause me to act. Because again, I've had this happen at the church. People write out a tithe check. And then you're like, well, praise the Lord. That's awesome. It's no good, though. They didn't sign it. <laughs> I mean, everything about it's good. It's not voided. The problem is it doesn't have the name on it. So you got to go back. It's not that they don't want. And that's how he was. I do believe, but that faith wasn't there for God to be able to make the next statement when it did come. And he says, "Sick, pe well, people are not in their bed in the middle of the afternoon. And he got, threw his legs off. 
without feeling. He's like, I'm already, I got it. He's like, I'm cashing my check. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm firmly persuaded that I, when I throw these, I'm going to have this deal. And he got it. I said, he got it. So we've got to stay firmly persuaded. You can't come and go, glory to God, I have this. And then at home cry, whine, and complain. You're voiding your faith. And it's not God withholding. Your mouth is voiding. Because you actually believe how we going to, you feel the emotions, the pain, the it's there. I get it. I, we, I will not come off. I'm not coming off. I am not coming off. The word of the king. And I'm telling you these last days, because of how much stuff is out there to tell us we can't have, you're going to have to get blinders on and say, by God, I got it. Probably telling you, get your kids, go get your kids and get back in here. Now in this, that doesn't mean as you're going through the plan of God that you don't need to stay hooked up with God. Meaning, as you haven't seen it, you still are asking. You're speaking what he's told you already, but you're still in conversation because faith comes by hearing, not having heard. Now, look at this verse. In Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42, I'm going to help you out. This is not doubt. This is not doubt. Jesus never doubted what dad said. Look what he says here when he's in the garden. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but... Now, why is Jesus in the garden in the first place? Because he already knows what he's heard Dad say. You are going to the cross. Son, you're going to the cross. Now, why would Jesus even ask this question in the garden? Why would he ask? Well, because he's read the Torah. He studied scripture. He's a word man. It's, it is written. And I'm telling you right now in that garden, it came up. Now you got in covenant with the father of faith, the father of us all, Abraham. And you asked him to kill his only begotten son. You told him, it's my will to kill your boy. I want you to do it. I want your boy dead. I want you to kill him. And he took that boy up the hill, all the while saying, the Lord's going to provide a lamb. Now, he wasn't believing for a lamb. He was believing for a resurrection. Hebrews tells us that he's like, God must be able to raise the dead. Now, did God ask Abraham to believe for a resurrection? No. So, when he pulls that knife, and he's decided, God must be able to raise the dead, and the Lord says, stop. I heard you. Oh. God never gave him a word he'd resurrect him. And he'd have killed him. Just because you want to believe something from God doesn't mean God's asking you to believe that. But he said, stop. He said, man, I know. And this is covenant talk. Joshua preaches this in our blood covenant class. He had to get an exchange. If you're willing to do that for me, well, that's what covenant is. 
covenant is whatever you're willing to do for me, I'm willing to do for you. And he wanted to know that Abraham was willing to keep only begotten son. And the Lord says, I am willing to do mine. There's a ram in the thicket. Give that instead. And Jesus right now is asking in the last hour, Father, is there a ram in the thicket for me? But if not, your will be done. Because I've already been confessing. In three days, I'll get out. 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 And I will not doubt that. I will not doubt that. I will not doubt that. And every stripe on his back, every blow to his face, every thorn in his brow, I will not doubt that. I will not doubt that. I will not doubt that. And then we get in a little bit of discomfort. We've got to say, I will not doubt what you said. If you tell me that, I am going to do it no matter what, without doubting. I am not double-minded. I believe the word of my king. And that's the church Jesus is coming back for without spot or wrinkle. Because they're like, I ain't doubting. Because I know what doubt looks like, and I refuse to void my faith currency. I'm going to have exactly what God said I'll have, the way he said it, how he said it. I keep my ear attentive to him as I'm navigating because at the end of the day, I will have what he says. Never doubt it. I'll take captive every thought according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll cast it down. I will not let it penetrate me. I will not entertain plan B. Won't do it. I refuse to do it. I'll hear you if you say, move here, go there. But at the end, the ultimate end is still going to be the same. It may be a little different path than you thought originally, but at the end of the day, you'll have what you say. This is our last verse. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence. See what kind of confidence we're supposed to have? Again, it's not arrogance. That's why it's called kingdom rise. Because our king is alive. And his word is forever settled in heaven. And when he tells us something, that's why you got to know what he says. Not what you want him to say. Know what he says. Stand on what he says. And never doubt. And this is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears who? Who's he here? Come on, who's he here? You don't need the prayer chain. You need you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get with somebody and say, now, the Bible says, let two, if any two people touch, an, are you in agreement? You better be in agreement. Don't be praying with me if you ain't agreeing. See, now, when I get around people that have sickness in their body, I'm like, now, I'll believe. I will not be the weak link on this deal. And I'm at advantage to you because I don't feel what you're feeling. But know this, I'll never back down. There's only one result here. Healed, whole, done, finished, period. This is the confidence we have, we, um, which we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Some of you in here have doubted. Some of you right now, 
know that you're doubting what you're supposed to be believing. And God has told me to tell you, get up, come down to this altar, repent, and then confess what you know you're supposed to say. And when you get up, never again are you going to come off that. Leave the doubt at the altar. Okay, move. Because doubt hits people. I get it. If you like, man, we ain't getting what I'm getting. You come down. This is a you and God deal. Now, there are times to lay hands. There are times. And again, if the Lord speaks to me to do some things, I'll do it. I'll do it. But at the end of the day, it's about you. Is it maybe your business? Is it, you know, a relationship? I don't know what it is. But if you've like doubted something that you know God's will is and it just hadn't come to pass and now you realize it's me. I've doubted he'd do that. I've doubted he'll do that. At the end of the day, I just doubted that. And I know why you're frustrated because you know that you believed at one point. But the Bible says that man or woman can't expect to receive nothing. I didn't say it. God said it. You can't even expect to receive it now because you're unstable in all your ways. And if you don't get this right, then there's, there's no area in your life that you'll start getting in until you'll be able to get from God because you'll start doubting even in those areas. This is why God had to teach Brother Hagin after he learned how to be healed, but he couldn't do nothing financially. And he said, son, the same faith that got you healed is the same faith that gets you to prosper. At the end of the day, you're doubting and you're listening to your circumstances. And he then had to learn how to drown out doubt. And he said, I remember driving in my car and my four ball tires were uh, singing to me that we're going to blow up. We're not You're not going to make it. The gas tank, all kinds of stuff. He junked his car. But he never believed he lacked ever again. And God increased him and increased him, and increased him, and increased him, and increased him. Increased him so much that out of his own personal account, he would pay widows' salaries after their husbands passed away of the churches that first let him come minister and paid those all the way up until he went home. And now his son's still doing it today. Never doubting. God never intended the church to doubt. He expected us to believe the word of the king. But the problem is, we've only held on to Jesus the Savior. Well, at least I'll go to heaven when I die. Are you sure about that? Well, if you're that firmly persuaded, then why don't you go ahead and get firmly persuaded in everything else? Because he can take you home to heaven, right? If he can get you out of your body up to there, he can heal it. He can provide for it. He can strengthen your mind. He can give you wisdom that you'd make everybody at work look like they don't even know what they're talking about. Never doubting. Never doubting. There is only one report. 
There's only one. Period. You cannot find a case in Scripture that when the Word got on the person believing that it did not kill them every time. Period. So no matter how I feel, I'm healed. Whole, every organ, every tissue, healed completely. Functioning as it was originally designed at 100% with long life. He'll satisfy you. And he does this regardless of what you do because he's just the healer. He's the healer. Never doubting. I am. I have it. It's done. Never doubting. Never doubting. From this day forward, anyone who ever comes in contact with you will only have this testimony. If they pray, it happens. It's just like they said. I had a loved one that was giving birth to a child, gave birth to the child, but something happened in the womb, the lining ripped, some things ripped. Next thing you know, they're bleeding out. They don't know they're bleeding out because they've had an epidural. And they ain't stopping. And all of a sudden, boom, they're rushing them in. By all rights, they go flat line. And so I hear about it. I come in among family. And I'm here with my family. And it's a mess in the room. Crying, concern, crying out to God. I said, come here, let's pray. Held their hands. I said, the surgeon will go in, find exactly what's wrong. They'll get it fixed. They will live and not die. They will be back, period. 20 minutes later, the nurse came in. Exactly what I said, exactly happened. Went out to lunch the next day with one of my family members, and they said, you know what? They said exactly what you said in prayer. Now, did I say it? Yes, but I only said what I heard. So in essence, I just said what God said. I wasn't moved by what was happening. I was only moved. Then I took the husband and I pulled them in and I said, this is as real as it's ever going to get in the realm of faith. We don't doubt one bit. Now, here's the good thing. I knew because of what position I held at the time, 
that I was go I got it. Just like Brother Hagen had gotten a call about some of his family members and said, you just let them know they'll live and not die. They're all right. And I knew that day I got it because I heard the father. I wasn't crying out and begging for something to happen for them. I said exactly what God said was going to happen for them. And it happened. Never doubting. You were not created in Christ to doubt. That's of your old nature. Your old nature questions rebel, questions authority. Your old nature rebelled against authority, but not this new nature. This new nature says, I'd love to hear from the king. I only want to hear the king. What does the king say? What is my savior, Jesus? It's because of his blood that was shed for me and I got into his kingdom and now he's seated on the throne and I'm raised up and seated with him in Christ Jesus. What is he saying to me? I'll only speak his word just like he only spoke the father's word and I will not doubt. I'm not a doubter. I'm not doubting. I refuse to doubt. I only believe. That's why in Valdosta, in St. Augustine, in Managua, and other cities that are coming, when people go to an anchor faith church, they'll say, now when these people pray, it comes to pass. In fact, some people may not even want you to pray because they'll say, look, I, I know when you pray, it happens and they want something else. They want to be able to tell people, oh, I'm believing God, but they know they're not. And they want the sympathy. But for us, if you're going to come and ask us to pray, we're going to find out what the Father says. And we're going to do the works that Jesus did. And they always work. Never fail. I mean, it's 100%. A hundred percent. He's never been defeated. Poverty's never beating. Lacks never beating. Sickness is never beating. Award never beating. He's never been defeated in one way, shape, or form. He's always victorious. His word always comes to pass. And even in our climate right now, as much as it looks like the world's winning, they're not. We're the victors already. We're the one who's getting the new heaven and the new earth. We're the one that the kingdom's going to come and we'll reign with him forever. We win. We don't doubt. Oh, it's getting bad, Pastor. Oh, no, it's getting good up in here. It's getting good up in here. That just means the king's closer. The king's coming. He didn't lie about coming. He's coming. He's coming again. He's coming again. And he's using us. He's using us. And we will be undaunted. Fearless. We'll be courageous. And we'll rise up as the kings of the earth, of the kingdom that we represent. We will not bow. We will not back down. We will never doubt our king's word and his sovereignty. It will come to pass in our lives. Period. So tomorrow, it doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter. We got it. There's nothing else. It can't be any other way. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. 
If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.